Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And good afternoon. I'm Howie Silberger, and this is the Howie Silberger Show. I say good afternoon. I meant good evening. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. And uh, we are live, as we always are. Right here on truetalkradio.com. It's the only place to be. Unfortunately, you won't be able to call in tonight as the phone lines are not working. Technology is is great when it works. Uh, unfortunately, it is not working tonight, so please do not call in. Uh, but we are live and, um, and we are here to talk about different things happening within the world, within the Jewish community, and uh, things that are bothering me, which should be bothering you. I want to tell you that tomorrow, I am uh, I am pleased. I am happy. I'm I'm thrilled that I will be uh, interviewing Judy Gold. She will be performing at the Just for Last Festival this year, which we are accredited media for. And uh, Judy is a two-time Emmy winner and uh, and a hilarious, hilarious comedian. If you don't know who she is, go to YouTube, Judy Gold, and buy tickets at hahaha.com. Uh, hahaha.com is where you go to buy your tickets for the Just for Last Festival. So go there, and Judy's putting on two shows, two solo shows. And uh, I'm sure after tomorrow you're going to want to hear You're going to want to go to her show. Uh, get a head start to go today. The shows will sell out quick. Uh, Judy Gold will be on the show tomorrow, right here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Now, since the Abraham Accords, over one million Israelis have visited the United Arab Emirates. Uh, there are over 200 weekly flights between Israel and Ab- and uh, Dubai, and uh, 22 to, from Abu Dubai, operated by Emirates, fly Dubai and El Al. And while we're at peace with um, with the Arab, United Arab Emirates since the Abraham Accords, we were at war with them for a long, long time. They were supporters of. Uh, they were never very friendly to Israel. And, and they were they were supporters of terrorism for a while. Uh, it kind of tapered down over the last few years, but they were supporters of terrorism for quite a while. And uh, it just surprises me, more than anything else, that Jews would flock to a country that hated Jews, that didn't support the state of Israel, that, that actively worked against the state of Israel. But now that you know, we have a peace accord, now that uh, things are normalized, we, we're going to flock there and we're going to spend our hard-earned money there just shocks me when people do that. Now, one million Israelis have visited the United Arab Emirates since the signing of the Abraham Accords in 2020. The Jewish News reports in, in, um, in Jerusalem about the social and economic benefits of the historic normalization treaty between UAI and Bahrain, Sudan, Morocco, and Israel. Foreign Ministry spokesman Lir Hayat says almost one in 10 Israelis have visited UAE, UAE since the end of 2020. There are currently more than 200 weekly flights between the countries, with 88 from Ben-Gurion to Dubai and 22 from Abu Dhabi, operated by Emirates. Now, Hayat, who is also head of the National Public Diplomacy Doctorate at Israel's Ministry of Foreign Affairs, said, Part of the UAE's popularity is due to the absence of anti-Semitism on the scale that we have witnessed in other Arab states. It's one of the few countries in the Middle East that had no historical Jewish presence. The locals in Dubai and Abu Dhabi don't harbor entrenched feelings of hostility towards Jews. They don't see Israel as their enemy, although Israel was their enemy for 50-odd years or 60-odd years. 
He added, there are problems in other countries that signed the accords. Bahrain, for example, has a big Shiite community that is influenced by Iran, so there's anti-Israel activity there. It also has a 300-year-old Jewish community which has faced abuse in the past. Morocco, meanwhile, has something of a dual vision of Israel. There's a cultural connection through its ancient Jewish community and strong pro-Palestinian sentiments, particularly on a political level. Asked if the Saudis could be poised to become the next Arab state to sign the accord, Hayat said, any agreement with Saudis will probably be separate to the Abraham Accords and much bigger in terms of importance. That agreement is not a question of if, but when. We can see changes already in the world uh, the Saudi leadership is using uh, to its own people when it comes to Israel. In the past, whenever Israel was raised, the Palestinian issue was always raised, but that isn't the case now. Israel is seen by the Saudis as a future partner. A peace agreement between the two states with a third country that borders Israel would change the entire region and inspire even more Arab Muslim countries to follow. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Foreign Minister Eli Cohen are reported to be in talks to expand the Abraham Accords to include Indonesia, Niger, Mauritania, and Somalia. Uh, now, I think it's great that Israel is, is making peace. Israel is trying to normalize relationships with their neighbors. I think this should have been done centuries ago, or at, least a, at least a half a century ago, or more than a half a century ago. Uh, but what worries me is... Is this a trap? Is this a honey trap? That, that's what really worries me. So, you know, you, you, put the, uh, you put the honey down to catch the bear. The bear goes in to catch the honey, and then you trap him, and then you kill the bear. Is this a trap? Is this a ploy? We, we, we have that experience with Arabs. We have that experience with, uh, with the Palestinian Authority, where uh, Yasser Arafat, for example, made, uh, you know, signed the Oslo Accords. And then told his people right after he signed the Oslo Accords that this is the first step to the liberation of Palestine. You know, we have to make them trust us in order to betray them later. And he said it publicly and he said it openly and nobody seemed to care that he did. And everyone lauded Yitzhak Rabin and Yasser Arafat. They gave him the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, even though it was obvious that Arafat wanted to, wanted to um, trick the Jews into trusting him so that he could go and destroy Israel. So one has to wonder if these peace accords that Israel is signing with uh, Saudi Arabia, with, uh, with, with Abu Dhabi, if these peace accords are real or if they're real for now. Now, now I, I hope and I pray, and I really do, I hope and I pray and I, I really wish that Israel to have peace and harmony in the Middle East, that everybody works together and makes the entire Middle East the Riviera of the, of, of, of the Middle East. This, this is really what it should be. It should be that, you know, it should be an open vacation thing. We even take away the borders and just have a big open vacation spot. That's really what should happen there. Unfortunately, it has not happened there uh, due to the myth of the Palestinians, this, this fake people that were set up to disrupt the area. And that myth that has perpetrated for centuries now, for, for nearly a century now, well, almost a century. I mean, it was 1964. It's now 2023. So, so we're getting close to a century that this myth was... Um, was perpetrated upon the world. And, you know, if you repeat a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. And this is really what's happened with these the so-called Palestinians, that they've repeated their lie long enough that, that a lot of people believe them. So if we take that example, and the example that the Egyptian Yasser Arafat, who was the head of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, he created it. Uh, if we take his example, that he would create a peace accord and he'd sign a peace accord with Israel, 
just to gain the Israelis' trust so that he could, he could sabotage them later. If that is the case, then is it good that a million Jews, a million Israelis, went running to Abu Dhabi uh, the, over the last year? Is, is it great that Jews are running there? I don't think so. I think it could potentially be dangerous. But then again, I don't trust peace accords. I learn from history. I look at history and I learn from history. And I understand that historically peace accords have not been good for Israel. This I understand. And understanding this, and sometimes knowing too much history and sometimes analyzing history is not really good for, for pushing forward and pushing towards the future. And a lot of people told me this. Howie. Howie, you got to look at the future. You can't look at the past. You have to look at the future. I've said it myself that we can't really look at the past. You have to look at the future. You have to learn from the past but understand that there's a future. I've said it myself, and it's true. We have to understand there's a past, and we have to understand there's a future. But at the same time, we have to learn from the past, and we have to know that we were duped so many times before. We were tricked so many times before that perhaps, just maybe, we should be careful. Perhaps, just maybe, we should take a look and, and, and approach the situation slowly and carefully and make sure that the situation is real before we allow a million of our people to go there. Imagine, a million people. Now, I, I have no problem with, um, with Jews visiting different countries. I, I personally won't visit Germany, and I, I personally try to stay away from Europe as much as possible. Europe was not good to my people. The Europeans were not good to my people. And, uh, and in that case, uh, my hard-earned money shouldn't go to Europeans who, who, who destroyed our people. Uh, Polish people, uh, Poland, who, who, who actively participated with the Nazis to destroy the Jewish people. And I know I could get sued for that. The Polish government's been suing people who have said that. But, it, but it's so true. It's so true. They were, they were occupied by the Nazis, but the population of Poland did not have to cooperate with the Nazis. And knowing the story of my ancestors and knowing how much their neighbors took advantage of the situation, stole their houses, stole their, stole their belongings, sent them to concentration camps, knowing that, and voluntarily doing so, not with a gun to their head, so to speak, one has to wonder who takes the blame for that. I know that when I went on a March of the Living in 1990, it was the second ever March of the Living, and, and I got to Poland, I saw the hatred in their eyes. I saw their full cart of Jews with big noses, a country that hadn't had Jews in, 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 in years. This is the 1990s, so the last time they saw real Jews in the country was 1945, and even before that, because in 45 was the end of the war, majority of Polish Jews were killed. So seeing the hatred and seeing the full cart of, uh, of caricatures of Jews, you understood that this country was raised with the idea, the population of this country was raised with the idea that Jews are evil. And so if that's the case, then why would I want to give them my money? Why would I want to go there? Why would I feel safe going there? Yeah, you could tell me it's a changed country. You could tell me that how you're old-fashioned. You could do all that. And that's fine. I mean, uh, maybe I am. But I don't see a reason to spend my hard-earned cash there, so I don't. Now, other people might choose to do that, and that's your prerogative. You could do whatever you want. But my argument behind that is that I just don't because, I mean, this is where my ancestors died. I went once to see, to, to pay homage 
to see what happened. And that was it. I don't, I, I don't have an inclination to go back. I don't go to places where people don't like me. I don't go to places where people hate me. I, I try to stay away from those kind of places. Why would I want to put myself in a situation where I'm standing in a place where somebody doesn't like me? That seems, seems self-destructive, if you ask me. Now, yes, it's true that Abu Dhabi has uh, not had a history of, of, of serious anti-Jewism. It's, it's true. It's very true. And they haven't really been involved in terrorism or uh, actively involved in, um, in, in, in promoting the destruction of the state of Israel. But at the same time, they haven't been actively involved in, in denouncing terrorism or denouncing the people who call for the destruction of the state of Israel. So if you are not denouncing it and you are actively uh, ignoring it, then that's tactfully uh, accepting it, right? Think about it for a second. If you're standing in a room and somebody walks into the room and it starts punching somebody in the room, and you don't say, hey, you, stop that, then you're, you're actively participating in the action, aren't you? You're watching it. You're enjoying it. You're not stopping it for some reason. So when, when Abu Dhabi doesn't stop it, uh, the reason they're not stopping it is because they get benefits from the Arab League or because they don't want to fight with their Arab neighbors. The only reason they're not denouncing it is because uh, either they agree with it or they're afraid of everybody else who is perpetrating it. It's one or the other. Either way, accepting it means that they accepted the murder of Jews, which, which puts them in the bad book for me. But uh, I, I'm, I'm probably a minority here. And you can let me know by email me, howie at truetalkradio.com. If you, if you want to comment on this, you can email me or you can call me tomorrow night when the, uh, when the, show, will be, uh, when, when the show will be on and uh, there'll, be, there'll be live phone lines. Perhaps. Maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just too cynical. I've been called that too. Maybe I'm just too cynical. I don't know. All I know is that, um, that a million Jews have gone to Abu Dhabi. And I heard it's a beautiful place. I know people have gone. I heard it's gorgeous there. But I, I don't plan on going there anytime soon. I don't plan on spending my money in countries that have tactfully or, 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 or openly uh, advocated for the destruction of my people. I, I, don't, I don't plan on spending my money and my time uh, building the economies of countries that want to destroy me, countries that want to destroy my people, countries that wanted to kill and, and maim and, and commit genocide against us. It's not something I want to do. Call me old-fashioned, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty anti-genocide. <laughs> I don't know if that's an old-fashioned ideal. Uh, I, I have a lot of old-fashioned ideals. I know. I've been around a long time. I have a lot of old-fashioned ideals. I have a lot of things that go through my head that, uh, that, that people today look at me and say, hey, what are you doing? What, what are you talking about? And uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am. But I don't think so. But then again, I'm biased in this topic. I'm Howie Silberger. It's the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I want to, uh, I, I, I want to tell you that the phone lines are down, unfortunately. We have a problem, technical problem with the phones. We're working on fixing them. They should be fixed by tomorrow night's show. Uh, if you didn't catch it at the beginning of the show, I'll tell you that tomorrow we'll be interviewing Judy Gould. Judy Gould is a, a comedian, and she, uh, she's going to be performing at the Just for Last Festival. It's a very exciting uh, that we're going to be interviewing her. She's won two Emmy Awards, and, uh, and she's an active comedian uh, for the last uh, many, many years. Uh, she was a writer for the Rosie O'Donnell television show, and, uh, and she's, uh, she's written a couple of books. She's very against the, um, the idea of, of, um, of stopping people from speaking. Uh, she's very for uh, free speech. 
And so uh, it's become much more difficult for comedians to do their, in today's world, it's become much more difficult for comedians to do their jobs. Uh, and radio hosts and anybody else, anybody who speaks publicly, it's become much, much more difficult to do the job because you know, and everybody knows, it's, not, it's an open secret, that you could say one word that could end your career forever. Now, I don't quite worry about that here on this station. I own the station, so I'm, I'm not quite worried about that. And uh, when I get letters demanding that the station take me off the air because of something I said, I, I kind of laugh because I own the station. Uh, but but people who work for stations they don't own, people who uh, people who do stuff uh, for for mass media for for other media companies, uh, they run into the problem. They run into the major issue of having to watch their words and 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 living up to the standards of the political correct police. That 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 police uh, everybody who speaks in public. And if you get on their bad side, they are the ones who are going to uh, going to destroy you. They'll find some little thing you say. They'll call you a racist. They'll call you a Nazi. They'll call you homophobic. And every day you read a story about somebody being accused of being homophobic or being a Nazi or being racist or whatever. And then you read what they said or you listen to what they said or you play the video of what they said. And you find out right away, you find out immediately that... Five years ago or six years ago, what they said would have been no problem. That the world has become so hypersensitive, the world has become so crazy that you can't say anything. And imagine being a comedian who makes fun of everything and having to get up and perform in an environment, in an environment that, that dictates that you can't say anything, that everything has to be politically correct. You're not allowed insulting anybody. You're not allowed uh, hurting anybody's feelings. Imagine being a comedian getting up in that environment and trying to do your job. It's a ridiculous situation we're in. And we could, we could trace the roots of this way back. I mean, this started a long time ago. It's just kind of germinated over the years. Uh, but it gets to a point where you have to say no. You have to say enough is enough. You have to say, I'm entitled to my opinion. If you don't like my opinion, don't watch. Don't listen. Turn off the radio. Flick off, push the X button, whatever, whatever, however you're watching or listening. Just turn me off if you don't like me. I'm not forcing you to watch this. Nobody is. And if you don't like what you're watching, don't watch it. If you don't agree with the person who's talking, don't listen. It seems like a simple solution to me. But then again, I may be too cynical. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We're heard live every day here on the True Talk Radio Network. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Uh, the shows are getting longer, and we are, we are going to do longer and longer shows as we go. I want to thank you for joining me. I will be back again tomorrow right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Have a great night.